You didn't say anything about my shirt. <laughs> I, I honestly wasn't paying attention to it, but you look like a hillbilly. Do you like? Do you like my shirt? Uh, I mean. It fits you well. I don't like what's on Thank it. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I thought it fit me well too. I got this when I was when I was up north, and uh, and it uh, it's you could get them. You could pick them up off the ground here, and yet you pay money for them up north. Yeah. Did I not? Did I t- so did I not tell you what happened? So my my flight had gotten delayed, but the last time I was in the northeast, and uh, and I ended up. Um, having to stay an extra couple days, but I didn't bring enough laundry with me. So I had to go buy shirts. And this was the only extra large t-shirt they had at target besides like a, like a gray black shirt. So there was one, one extra large gray black shirt and one NASCAR shirt with your name all over them. Here's So for those of you who don't know, I'm wearing like straight up, like a black t-shirt that just says NASCAR on it, which I was thinking about (laughs) this. And I was like, that's the equivalent of me just wearing a shirt that just says baseball on it. (laughs) Like it is the most like, non-committal sports shirt that I could have, like, if you want to call it a sport. Like, it's, it's the most non It's not a sport, but it, like... Wrestling is like, so, more of a sport than NASCAR. That's Well, that's fair. But it, it's so non-committal that it's, like, just absurd. Like, it just is, like, just a, a shirt that says NASCAR. There's nothing else on it. So... <laughs> it should just say, like, ball. Yeah, ball. <laughs> sports. Tire. <laughs> Tire. Yeah, that's what it should say. Asphalt. Woo. Um... So anyway, uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm glad that you think it fits well because, like, that's the thing. I, I'm not particularly happy that I have to wear a NASCAR shirt, but I do really enjoy the way it fits. Like, it fits me better than most of my band T-shirts do. Well, I was gonna say you're home now. You can dispense with the with wearing the NASCAR shirt. Why are you wearing it? Sure, you're wearing but it I, so everybody can see it. Well, I spent money on it, and I don't like wasting things. So, like, I don't. I like. I'm very much so of the mindset <laughs> that like I don't. Once I have something, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna like beat the wheels off of it. That's a healthy attitude. I'm it never going to get rid of it. It works. It doesn't matter if it doesn't no, work. No, no, it doesn't no, no, matter no. if it's representative of you. No, you if just it works, gonna if it works. do it because you spent money. You capitalist pig. Well, as opposed to like the people that are like want to protest Nike after they gave Nike money already and they're like destroying their own property. Like fuck those people. Those people are stupid. They're wasting their time. Dude, I don't give a shit who kneels. I don't care about that at all. All I know is Jordan 4s look like space boots and I love them. I don't understand what that sentence was, but what I'm what my my point is this is like like if I have a perfectly good shirt, where's it going to go? Who else is going to wear it? I don't know, a bunch of kids on each other's shoulders trying to look like an adult. <laughs> oh, is that how large my shirt is? Are you saying that my shirt is the size of like one of those like parachutes that we used in gym? You're so you the size of on? a giant trench coat for children yeah. to pretend. Yeah, if you sewed all the ends up, you could blow it up like one of those giant beach balls we played shitty volleyball with that just hurt all the kids because it was three times the size of the kids. <laughs> God damn! You remember like that? Was, that how was that allowed? Well, I mean, when was that? The '80s, the '90s. A lot of shit was permissible back then. That was also in the 2000s. I mean, I think about like it wasn't too long ago that dodgeball was recently banned. Dodgeball's been banned. Yeah, you can't play dodgeball in school anymore. Do you, do you play dodgeball in any of your gym classes in fucking middle school? Like now? Yeah. Now. Not, not, oh, no. I don't, dude, I'm not a gym teacher. I don't go to the fucking gym. I don't know what they're doing. Ask your kids. 
Ask your kids God, if they've they ever played play dodgeball. Dodgeball anymore? You know why they can't play dodgeball? I'll give you one perfect example. So when I was in middle school and I was playing dodgeball, they picked all the biggest, strongest, fastest kids and put them against all of the weakest kids and made all of the weakest kids cry. Like I always got put on the team because I was bigger than everybody because I was a fucking adult. It was like watching Billy Madison hit those kids <laughs> with a ball. Like that's what it was. There was one time, and I, I remember this vividly. They put me and four other kids on this team. I was the only white kid on the team, and they put Freddie on the team. Did I ever tell you about Freddie that I went to middle school with? No. Oh, let me tell you about Freddie. Freddie drove to middle school. <laughs> what a scumbag. Now, Freddie, Freddie legit, no, he no, he had a driver's license. He had a car that he had to drive. To. He, he was old enough. He was in the eighth grade. He was 16 in eighth grade. <laughs> I know. I'm. T- <laughs> Never mind. One time I watched Freddie punch a kid for talking about his mom. And punched him so hard that the kid's head bounced off the brick wall and he passed out and crumpled into a pile of mushy bones. Jesus. I never saw that kid again. Uh, but I saw oh Freddie the next day because he would have fucked up the teachers. Like, he, the teachers were afraid of him. Because he was oh. a fucking nightmare kid. So, anyway. Uh, and actually, this Freddie just came up recently. Um, where uh, Jesse met, like, a, an old middle school buddy of mine. And, and uh, apparently... I was the king of something. I can't remember. Jesse told me I like had some reputation in school. I don't remember what it was. It was for something fucking stupid. Um, but uh, but he brought up Freddie, and he's and everybody's like Freddie was terrifying. Anyway, I got put on the dodgeball team with Freddie, so I was in Freddie's good graces. And uh, <laughs> there was five of us, and there were twenty kids on the other side. Mm-hmm. In particular, there was this one gal who was like always like talking trash about everything, and she had like big thick Coke bottle glasses. Um, and uh, somebody threw a ball. And a kid ducked and hit her right in the face and knocked her glasses off, and she cried in front of everybody. And it was mm. not a nice story. It's not a nice story by any means. But uh, but then uh, that's why they don't do dodgeball anymore because it's humiliating for people. I mean, if like if you make sure the teams are even, then it's fine. If that's just a coach who's off, like not doing what he's supposed to do. <laughs> I don't think yeah. dodgeball is that damaging of a game. I got hit a bunch. I mean. I don't know. I, I think they're making everything a little too sanitized and safe. Did did uh did Jesse ever tell you about his dodgeball team that he did as an adult? No, but that sounds. They were sad. called they were called the stepdads because they beat everyone. They dressed up like they wore like cut off jean shorts and like denim vests. Hi everybody, welcome to <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I'm Mikey and I'm Shane and it's October. You can <laughs> feel it in the air. The coldness seeping down from the northern wilderness. That's right, people. We're finally there. We are going to talk about the sons of the northern darkness. Specifically, this week, we are talking about the band Mayhem. (laughs) And also Norwegian black metal. Uh, It's about fucking time. Woo! Yes, I'm excited about this. Um, I had a lot of fun researching it. I knew most of this stuff. I just kind of would mess the the chronology up. So I had a lot of fun writing jokes about Varg and about Dead and all these other little skelly boys that we're going to be talking about this week. But we want to wish everybody a happy October. Absolutely. or 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 a harrowing October. Well, so in preparation for this episode, I I listened to a playlist on um, Spotify called Black Metal Essentials. Just so mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just getting the vibe. It starts off with Satyricon, uh, goes nice. through Demon Burger, um, 
Hellhammer, Dark Throne, Bathory, Behemoth, Leviathan, Emperor, Absu, Judas Iscariot, um, Dodd Sengel, uh, Watain, uh, a Dissection Dane. fucking ruled. It was a great, it was a great list. Yeah, Watain and Dissection are fantastic bands. But we are going to be talking about them all. Well, not all of them, because we just don't have the fucking time. Soon enough. Before we hear the hoofbeats of Woden's horse as he as he careens across the sky during another wild hunt, why don't we go ahead and do a right profile? Right profile! My name is Louis Gover, and I know rich man, but I, I, I know the truth. You know, you the hell? You're in hell! This is hell! This is hell! This is hell! All right, so my pick for this week is a band called End. End. Nice. E-N-D. Um, so this is a band that is um, pretty interesting. I, they, I, I, I'd seen them in passing. I'd seen their name, and I avoided listening to them because I liked the Canadian band, The End, um, which was like more you know tech metal and all that. And I just was like, oh, oh they're just ripping that off. Well, anyway, uh, End is a band consisting of vocalist Brendan Murphy from Counterparts, um, a guitarist from Fit for an Autopsy. So already you're probably like, eh. um, there's a dude from Shia Lude in this band. Um, the bass player from Reign Supreme is in this and a drummer from Tradewind and uh, Structures. So it's a bunch of like weird one off, like kind of metalcore types of bands that are around. However, this band does not sound like a metalcore band. This band sounds like fucking hate personified. 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 So uh, they put out a full length in 2020 called Splinters from an Ever-Changing Face. Um, and it, and, uh, and so that's that's the record. And their, their number one song off this record is uh, called Pariah. Um, they have a song on here called Absence. With uh, the singer of 100 Demons, which I sent Mike and he refused to listen to all of. Um, no, I just, I didn't get a chance to. I well, will listen to it. I hope so, because I feel like you would like it. This sounds like if Turmoil were Matter. <laughs> mead, mead, mead. Like, way more mead. And uh, and just, like, super, super aggressive. Like, um, it's very much so, like, uh, like I said, like, it sounds like if Turmoil were more mad. It sounds like if Scarlet were less sassy. Um, it sounds like that type of, of feel. And this, this, this band is just, like, just pure aggression from front to back. Now, they have their full length called Splinters from an Ever-Changing Face. They do have an EP. I'm trying to pull that out so I can find that. I can't find that. Um... Um, it's actually way called, to be prepared. Uh, from the unforgiving arms of God is what it's called, <laughs> uh, which has the uh, opener called Chewing Glass. Hmm, that's where they start. That's nice. That's nice. Um, and and the artwork is like kind of like it looks like baroque, like kind of oil paintings, but like just super aggressive and unsettling. Um, like the the from the unforgiving uh. From the unforgiving arms of God, like the picture is like a nun, but like half her face is melted or rotted. It's like an oil painting. Um, and then the other one, it looks like just a screaming face with a bunch of like needles sticking out of it. So that's it's fun. cool. Yeah. So if you get a chance, uh, listen to End. Um, they the song Necessary Death is good. Pariah is good, and Absence is a real is a real banger. It's 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 real it's a real upbeat jaunt into the genre. All right, I am gonna uh, listen to them definitely because what I heard was was pretty good. Yeah, you said um, you said this band is fucking crazy or something like that when I sent it to you. 
I think I said this band is Miad. Yeah, 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 with three Ys. <laughs> Miad. Right. So I was trying to keep it with the theme of the episode this week. So I have chosen a band that is most definitely influenced by the genre of music that we are going to be talking about for this week and next. That band is called Ninkersock. Spell that for me. N-I-N-K-H-A-R-S-A-G. Ninkersock. That name comes from, uh, it's a Sumerian name. It's the Sumerian mother goddess of the mountains and one of the seven great deities of Sumer. So as we're going to see, most black metal that we're going to talk about has like very satanic lyrics or very pagan lyrics. And sometimes that pagan stuff gets into Norse mythology and then, you know, nature. So this is a little bit of, of both. There's a little bit of horror elements in here. There's a little bit of pagan stuff in here. But this band is fucking bananas. Okay, they're called Ninkersog. They are from the UK. They have put out two LPs in the past two years, or excuse me, I think since 2018. I have to look closer. Yes. Okay. Oh, so, so well prepared. I was, I was a little off. Okay. 2015, this band released their first LP called the blood of celestial Kings, which is so badass. And then just this year, they released the dread March of solemn gods. Yes. I love this shit. Ninkersog is Sort of, it, they were, they're not pure black metal, as we're going to discuss. We're going to define black metal before we even jump into what we're talking about this week. But Ninkersog is black metal influence, kind of how like Behemoth's like blackened death. These guys are like blackened melodic death metal. This sounds like if you crossed at the gates with Emperor. Oh, it fuck is yeah. Fucking awesome i mean it is truly brutal but there's a lot of melodic elements to it it's very well produced unlike some of the bands that we are going to be talking about yeah which are not and i love their lyrics they're very like horror themed and then they get kind of into like the the pagan stuff and a little bit of nature i mean they did name themselves after a mountain goddess but um just 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 check these out this is from uh, the Necromantion, not Necronomicon, the Necromantion off the solemn, uh, the Dread March of Solemn Gods. Darkest shrines to death lay hidden deeply underground in ancient knighted catacombs where wrathful souls are bound. Hoary roots suck the soil, a feast of filth and slime, spewing black atrocities till the end of time. I hear the howling of the wind, the blackest of voids that rips through the light. The gates are blasted open wide. My mind is aflame with chaotic might, and slaughter is all around you. So, basically what you just did was you read an incantation, not a song, yeah. and now you are cursed, and I don't have to deal with that anymore. So, that's it. this is going to be the last show, because there's going to be some, like, headless fucking knight that kicks your door in and stabs you in your sleep. Sacrifice the lamb to blackest night. The gates of death are open. Now you die. <laughs> Conjuring a deadite. But at any rate, Ninkersog is great. They have two LPs. Um, I'm I'm super into this band. I've been listening to them all week. I will link it. Everybody should listen to this. If you're into death metal, melodic death metal, black metal, you should listen to this band. Ninkersog. You know, it's such a bummer that like the bands we're going to cover are such fucking dorks because like this shit is so good. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's kind of like when we covered the Misfits last Halloween, or maybe yeah. it was the Halloween before. I can't remember. I think it was last Halloween. Yeah, we like we said we love the Misfits, but everyone's a dickhead. 
Yeah. Um, I think in this case, the only person who's not actually a dickhead is Fenris from Dark Throne, but he's also a little annoying. He's just not yeah. like a racist piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's going to be the fun part of this is like navigating that whole thing. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a whole thing. But anyway, why don't we begin the blood-soaked tale of the band that put black metal on the map, Mayhem! (laughs) What's the matter, kid? Don't you like clowns? Why? Don't we make you laugh? Aren't we fucking funny? Let us light the candles and begin with part one, which I have entitled, Let the Yopping Begin! Now, as we do with all of our deep dives, since they are, in fact, for dummies, let us start by allaying any confusion. Before the unholy proceedings begin, we will answer the question, what is black metal? That's not how you ask that question. How would you ask it? I would ask it like Forky from Toy Story 4, where he goes, like, he kind of like, he's a, he's a sentient, like, spoon that has, like, like, uh, like pipe cleaners for arms, and he's dumb. He doesn't know anything about anything. Forky. He was a toy that was created in kindergarten class, and he's dumb. He, he keeps calling himself trash. (laughs) He's like, I'm trash, and just throws himself in the garbage. Like, he doesn't think he's a toy. (laughs) So, like, that's the joke. So he goes, so he asks questions like, what is, so I, he would ask it like this, what is black metal? What a, what an entertaining detour that you just put us on. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's Buster from, uh, um, Arrested Development that plays the character. Oh, or, or Gary from Veep. Yeah, I'm trash. He just throws himself in the <laughs> trash every time, every single, the whole time he's just trying to run to the trash can and just throw himself away. <laughs> That's very funny. The whole movie's a, a fucking existential crisis. Like, if you watch it, it's like, it's like, what is anything? What is a toy meant to, what, what are toys? Why are toys? And then this, this fucking spoon with googly eyes shows up and he's like, I'm trash. He knows what he is. <laughs> so. And he wants to leave this planet. Are we here to talk about Toy Story 4? No, we're here to talk about what is black metal? <laughs> black metal is an extreme subgenre of heavy metal most influenced by early thrash and death metal bands. Thrash is kind of where you get the speed, um, while death metal seems to be from whence all the morbid, dark, and sometimes satanic lyrical content and in, in the imagery, that's where that came from. Yeah. So what does it sound like? What does it sound like? What does it sound like? Well, <laughs> technically, black metal sounds like a hobo being beaten to death with a carjack inside of a nuclear garbage can. Yeah. Yes. But if you can get past that initial and intentional abrasiveness, you are met with this whole other musical world. Because it truly is a world into, uh, unto itself. Yeah. It's just this swirling, atmospheric world of ancient cold and pagan blasphemy. In short, it's badass and probably the most metal of all metals. For sure. So, Black Mel is characterized by heavily distorted guitars that are tremolo-picked, which is something I still can't do. I can still only do triplets. It's fucking difficult. 
Uh, tremolo picking for anyone who doesn't play an instrument and has never been in a failed band like Shane or I is where you go back and forth on one string or several strings super fast. So instead of going ding, 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 you're going, it's like a, it's a, it's, it's like an inhuman sort of rhythm and I've never been able to get it. And the rhythm of the drumming is generally blast beats, which is just where you hit everything all at once. So for example, that you would do a drum beat like do, do, da, right? Yeah. But with black metal, it's just doots and dats all at once. Just, it's like a machine gun. Yeah. But worse. Yeah. Yeah. So most of the early bands, and this is something that a lot of people probably, it turns them off from black metal when they first hear it. It turned me off from black metal when I first heard it. But most of the early bands recorded their records as lo-fi as they could. They opted for this like extremely caustic sound rather than mixing it or mastering it so people could actually hear it. Because to hear it and to appreciate it would not be black metal. The poor sound quality, as we said, was entirely intentional, and it wasn't due to lack of funding. It was meant to be this like wall of dreadful sound that was, and the whole thing was supposed to be driven by atmosphere rather than cool sounding riffs. I mean, you listen to metal, and 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 you can pick out cool sounding riffs. You can't really pick out cool sounding riffs in black metal because it just sounds like right. It was supposed to sound evil, and for all intents and purposes, it it absolutely did. So, of course, you have the final piece of the puzzle, and no, we didn't forget about bass guitar. Bass does not really matter in black metal. You can't fucking hear it. It's there, and that's about it. So the piece we're still missing is the vocals. Now, black metal vocals are almost always high-pitched and shrieking. Like in a register that human beings should not be capable of reaching. Yeah. Now, though he may not have been the very first to do it, there's a guy named Quorthon, and <laughs> he was the vocalist and guitarist of the Swedish black metal band Bathory. They were black uh-huh. metal pioneers. Um, and, and, and he was kind of the one who popularized it. I'm not going to say he's the only one that ever, that he was the first to do it, but I think that most of the bands that we're going to be talking about ended up emulating Bathory. We're going to talk about Bathory here in a little bit because Bathory kicks ass. Yes. Now, lyrically, as you might guess, and as we've already alluded to black metal, most black metal especially the era we're going to start talking about here in a little bit, the late 80s to the early 90s, it focused on satanic and and just straight-up anti-Christian lyrics. Now, as the genre progressed, many bands began to incorporate pagan themes because, you know, you figure a lot of these bands came from Norway, they came from Sweden, they were in touch with their Scandinavian roots, and so it was a lot of stuff about the runes and the stones and the blood. Yeah. Now, they would also incorporate Norse mythology, uh, the writings of J.R.R. Tolkien, and even H.P. Lovecraft. And then they would just sometimes, like Wolves in the Throne Room, when we talked about, or Panopticon, they just sing about nature, about how the mountains are heavy and the stones uh, have their own thoughts. <laughs> Well, you know what's interesting about that, though, is like, so I just finished reading Lovecraft Country, and the whole idea was that the cult that's involved in all of the stories is like, they're not like magicians, they're they're natural philosophers is what they called it. So I feel like there's like this like type of magic that people like bend the will of nature to, and that's probably where some of the nature talk comes in, like understanding the natural order of things and how to manipulate that for your own gain. 
Yeah, I think I think you definitely have something there. I definitely think that's where it comes from. Yeah. Um, now, since everything that we've just said, <laughs> all the the guitar and the drums and the lyrics and everything, since none of that means anything to the uninitiated, because you can't really appreciate it unless you hear it. Here's a little sample of what black metal sounds like. <laughs> Sounds like it's not for me, you're saying. <laughs> well, it sounds to me like you're not true cult. And that's <laughs> cult spelled K-V-L-T. K-V-L-T, not K-U-L-T, not C-U-L-T, K-V-L-T. Huh? Because that is sort of a bastardization of Latin, which many of these bands are fond of. Because Latin is the most evil-sounding language, especially when it's chanted by people in robes or used by black metal musicians musicians often they would substitute v for you and it does look cool so what i mean when i say true cult if you if you bristled at what we just played and you immediately put on something else (laughs) and are not no longer listening to this podcast if you listen to that and you didn't like it that means you're a poser and true cult is the opposite of a black metal poser (laughs) that you are you are a black metal wizard okay you are you are you are performing this the the super joint ritual on the mountaintop yeah you wear nail studded gauntlets to bed your corpse paint is never runny and you never ever ever smile because that's another thing that we're going to find out as we go through this black metal is ultra serious there is no room Oh, too, so unbelievable. Maybe not as much today, but they're still pretty fucking serious. I've watched yeah. like Watain interviews and you're just like, you guys are having no fun. There is no room for anyone to take the piss out of black metal. But I did think of something. I was, I was, I was, I was imagining like a weird Al Yankovic type character. Yeah. Who would lampoon only black metal. He'd be like the black metal weird Al. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Yeah. But they probably make him shave his Jufro for reasons that we'll get to soon enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now that we have the basics, why are we covering black metal? Well, despite the fact that we're running out of spooky shit to do every October, <laughs> it is the most spooky, evil-sounding subgenre of metal. And and despite the fact that everybody in a black metal band just about seems like they'd suck to talk to, a lot of these bands are really good. I genuinely yeah. mean that. And I know Shane genuinely likes it. Yeah. I, oh, fuck yeah. Um, and, but there's also the fact that in the early 90s, which is where we're going to focus for the next two episodes, black metal became synonymous with murder, suicide, and church burnings. So it's about as Halloween as it gets. Yeah. It's like the most Halloween type of shit. I mean, like, it's literally dudes wearing makeup, standing in the woods, screaming about things. But not enjoying candy. <laughs> it's no tricks. It's no treats. It's just rituals. <laughs> so, for those of you that know, this isn't going to be an exhaustive, never-ending slog through the minutia of the genre. We're not going to do that to y'all. That's not fair. We're going to have fun with this. Um, we also don't have the time and the energy because we're fucking old. Um, so, we don't, we're not going to go into that. But for the next two episodes, we'll give you the, the broad strokes, the different waves of black metal and where it is now. Uh, but, yes... We're, of course, going to cover Mayhem and Varg and Euronymous and Dead and all the rest of the Norwegian maniacs, those bunch of fucking dorks that do all kinds of, like, black metal shit, when we'll, which we'll get into what that black metal shit is, too. Um, they are dorks. This, 
The story can't be told without them. Insufferable as they all are. They all are. None of them are people that I would want to spend time with in a room. Now, uh, <laughs> the Norwegian band of Black Metal's second wave are the most infamous, so that's what we'll be concentrating on, Mayhem especially. Now, for our research, we drew on our own Black Metal knowledge, a few historical websites, some old zine scans that, 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 that Mikey dug up, and, of course, some Wikipedia to get the chronology right. So... Fuck you and fuck everybody for for digging that. Wikipedia is fine enough. It works. Okay? Yeah, they got to cite their references. I don't know why everyone just gets all pissed off about it. Well, and also, we're going to add the jokes. Wikipedia doesn't add the jokes. Exactly. Unless unless you're Stellar Skarsgård, which people keep changing his name to Stellar Skateboard. (laughs) I bet he likes black metal. I bet he probably does. He probably like he probably like had like a like a like a label at some point. Now, the 2008 documentary Until the Light Takes Us was also pretty informative, and Mikey has watched many, many, many times. Um, Neither of us has read Lords of Chaos or seen the movie because Varg, asshole that he is, disavows that version of of the black metal story. Uh, We're going to talk about Varg later. Now, I have Lords of Chaos. I'm so excited to read that. Uh, It's sitting, like, underneath a new Chuck Palahniuk book and, like, a Stephen King book somewhere. (laughs) It's in a pile somewhere back here. Uh, now, it's where it belongs. It's where it belongs. So Varg might be a white supremacist piece of sopple. Okay, that's garbage in Norwegian, if you weren't sure. Uh, but he's honest. I mean, if he was a liar, the whole world wouldn't know how truly awful of a person he was. He's just out in the woods of Norway, constantly fixing his Jeep, making white babies, quote, uh, there, which is something that he that we'll get into again, uh, and writing yet another exhaustive rule book for his role-playing game, My Farog. Mjarfjörg. How do you pronounce Mjarfjörg. that? Mjarfjörg. Mjarfjörg. Uh, which just stands for Mythic Fantasy Role-Playing Game because a fun title would not be black metal. So let's begin with the first group of bands that inspired the lingonberry-eating, death-obsessed Norwegian freaks that made black metal the scariest genre of music of ever to exist. This first wave we call Quarthon Don't Surf. I'm going to do that and my throat is going to be so fucking raw tomorrow. It's fucking great. <laughs> All right. The term black metal can be traced back to the legendary English band Venom, whose 1982 sophomore LP was called just that, black metal. And it wasn't black metal as the world would come to know it, but it provided the blueprint. Fast songs, unintelligible raspy vocals, shitty production, and evil lyrics. All the hallmarks of black metal. So here mm-hmm. we are. We've arrived. Now, uh, at, the, at the time, they were fairly evil. Uh, we're going to take the lyrics from the title track. We chime the bell, chaos and hell, metal for the maniacs pure, faster than steel, fortune on wheels, brain hemorrhage is the cure. For black metal, lay down your souls to the gods of rock and roll. I feel like that's also, that could be a Motorhead lyric. Yeah, yeah. It was, they weren't, they weren't able to be that evil yet. But also, also I feel like that would be delivered better by Lemmy anyway, right? Like, we yeah. chime the bell, chaos and hell, metal for the maniacs pure. Like, that'd be so much better. I can't do a good Lemmy. He's also dead. So, um, <laughs> it's a far cry from Mayhem's Chainsaw Guts Fuck, but for their time, uh, Venom were a pretty scary band. Now, we're not going to dive too deep on these scone-eating weirdos, but besides the dark vibe and the spread, or the speed that they provided future black metal with, they also helped popularize the practice of taking evil-sounding stage names. So, in Venom, Conrad became Kronos pretty cool uh anthony became abaddon jeff became mantis and clive became jesus christ (laughs) 
We had yeah, a, I didn't uh, get that one. I don't get that one either. I was I was just at a conference and people kept telling me I looked like Jesus, and I was like, "It's Doctor Jesus to you." And then like it made jokes about like people asking Doctor Christ for like extensions on their uh, crucifix projects. <laughs> so I thought that was good. So Venom went through several hiatuses and breakups, but they're still playing today. Cronus looks like a walking corpse, but the worse he looks, the more metal he is. And he's just going to take himself more seriously as he gets older, which is great. Um, but if you want to know how influential Venom was to the second wave of black metal, take this quote from Mayhem's vocalist, Dead. Quote, Wimps shall die and only Venom was real. End quote. Wimps shall die and only Venom was real. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the idea of him saying Vimps. So there were... There were a few other bands in the early 80s who unintentionally helped to jumpstart black metal as we would know it a few years later. There was Hellhammer, and I believe Hellhammer became Celtic Frost, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm wrong, I don't care. Uh, And then even Merciful Fate, you know, they had an influence on the genre's image, even though they didn't sound like that, because vocalist King Diamond, the famous King Diamond, he was the first to don the, the... now synonymous with black metal corpse paint. Uh-huh. Uh, but there was one band who truly laid the blueprint for what was to come. And that band was Bathory. So good. Dude, I love Bathory. I really do. Um, Bathory was formed in 1983 in Valingby, Sweden. Um, they were founded by guitarist... Thomas Forsberg, the aforementioned Quarthon, <laughs> um, bassist Frederick Melander, and drummer Jonas Ackerland. Uh, neither of them stayed around too long, so they did not get cool, sna- cool stage names a la Venom. Yeah. But the band did name themselves after the infamous Hungarian countess Elizabeth Bathory. For those of you who have never heard of her, Maybe you've seen Hostel 2 and there was that really upsetting scene with the girl hung up over the bathtub. That's kind of referencing Elizabeth Bathory. Did you see Hostel 2? I never saw Hostel 2 because the eyeball scene in Hostel 1 bothered me so much that I couldn't watch it. That was pretty upsetting. Yeah. Well, anyway. um, Elizabeth Bathory. Bathory the woman, not the band. um, She was a noble. A Hungarian noble in the 15 and 1600s. And she is alleged to be the world's most prolific female serial killer. So she was nicknamed in, uh, not at her time, I I don't believe, but in in retrospect, nicknamed the Blood Countess. Uh, The legend was that she would have virgin servant girls murdered or kill them herself. And then she would bathe in this big bathtub in their blood to preserve her youth Though these rumors are no longer considered factual. They are considered to be maybe the basis that helped Bram Stoker come up with some of the elements of the Dracula legend. Yep. But the idea that she did bathe in the blood has since been somewhat discounted. Yeah. Well, and also part of that, too, was that apparently she would bathe in blood to keep her, like, youth because she was apparently very beautiful. Was she? That's that's the story. The story is that she was, like, this incredibly beautiful woman. Like, and the idea was that she was, like... Basically drinking people's life force. I mean, that's what like Lady Gaga and what, what whatever that uh, woman's name is that are doing. But what what other woman? You know, the one that like make that takes the pictures. Ab- Abramovich. She's a fucking weirdo. Fuck her. <laughs> I don't know who that is. She's walking around the woods with like a veil on her face and a jar on her head. Those people are fucked up. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, Did you just keep, well, hold on is lady gaga a modern day bathory probably all right 
I'll refer to her like Zach Galifianakis, Lady Gaga. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, the legend was that she bathed in the blood. And that has kind of since been disproven. However, there was overwhelming physical evidence at her trial, um, along with 300 witnesses who testified that she imprisoned, mutilated, and murdered as many as 650 young girls. Christ. I mean, like crazy numbers. She was sentenced to death, but since she was a noble and very, very white, uh, she basically just lived in a big-ass castle till she died. Typical. Yeah. yeah. Shocking. Now, anyway... Bathory, the band's sound, uh, it definitely lived up to the evil implications of their name. Yeah, so their self-titled debut was released in 1984, and it's considered the most by by most to be the first real black metal album. Uh, though it was still considered to be closer to thrash, and we listen to it, it's definitely got that kind of speed to it, and it and you can kind of hear it so it's not really black metal like you can actually hear some of the sounds in it um, <laughs> yeah and it was it's totally just, evil discernible yeah. sound yeah yeah like you can hear like actual instruments being played now it was totally evil throughout with songs like hades reaper and conspiracy with satan and yeah! raise the dead yeah! now by today's standards the lyrics might seem a little corny but quarthon had already surpassed venom in the brutally the brutality department just two years after black metal's release so he went now nah, we can do this better and, like, took it up a level. Now, Bathory further honed the black metal sound on the following three LPs. Uh, the in the, the Return in 1985, Under the Sign of the Black Mark in 87, and yes! Blood Fire Death in yes! 88, which is on fucking point. Dude, Blood Fire Death is so good. It's so good. It's so good. Now, yeah! these, these three are considered to be among the most revered black metal albums of the first wave. Now, Blood Fire Death was the first album to hint at where Bathory would be heading on most of their subsequent albums, Into the Tundra of Viking Metal. So not only did they kind of spearhead black metal, but they also kind of created Viking Metal. So thank you for giving us a Monomarith. Now... <laughs> Uh, which is a, it's Viking metal is a subgenre that's sort of a mixture of like power metal, traditional folk music, and classical music. Um, it's also the nerdiest metal of subgenre, except for maybe folk metal, which is just Viking metal with all the cool parts removed, and the songs all sound like they can be sung only by dwarves. So, <laughs> Viking metal way better. Now, Bathory eventually traded in their evil satanic sound and their, their, their evil satanic kind of stance for paganism. Now, Quarthon said he wanted to lyrically attack Christianity from a different angle. Don't we all? We kind of get that. So now, Bloodfire Death, which is still the best fucking title of an, an album ever, uh, yes. was okay. also one of the first metal albums to feature references to Norse mythology and pagan myths, not the least of which was the painting on the cover, The Wild Hunt of Odin. Now, hell yes. The Wild Hunt was a Scandinavian folktale that saw the god Odin riding across the sky with a bunch of ghost horsemen during midwinter and swooping down to abduct those who couldn't find a hiding place. Historians theorize that this might have been the genesis of the Santa Claus myth. I fucking love that! (laughs) Like, he didn't bring you presents, he brought you death and everlasting silence. Now, the milk and cookies came much later, as Odin would probably have just entered your home, took all your shit, swallowed your soul, and probably had sex with you pretending to be a a swan or a fucking eight-legged horse or some shit, because Odin was fucking awful, too. Dude, let me tell you, I'm so excited for God of War Ragnarok, 
Um, I'm hoping that the Wild Hunt plays into it. I want to see Kratos, like one of those massive God of War set pieces where he like, he's, he flies through the air and he like, he, he like stops himself by burying his fucking axe in a ghost horse. And then he climbs up the line of all these like de- undead horse riders until he gets to Odin and he midair just like cleaves his fucking head off. Oh, I can't wait. I would love for Kratos to drag him back to the Tree of Life and hang him there. Yeah, that would be so sick. Dude, the thing, Norse, North mythology is so fucking cool. You know, like, when I was going to college, like, I wanted to be, a, like, I wanted to study mythology. That's That was, I was, like, going to school to study mythology. Like, I love this shit. Yeah, Norse mythology is great, man. I love it. It's so fucking good. So, uh, Bathory released Hammerheart in 1990, followed by Twilight of the Gods in 91. Both records are considered to be the blueprint for Viking metal. They would also dabble in thrash metal on later albums before returning once again to Viking metal, but Bathory never really strayed into traditional black metal territory ever again, um, though they did basically invent the sound as we know it today. Now, Quorthon was the only consistent member throughout the band's two decades of existence, and he unfortunately died of heart failure in 2004. So the jury's out on whether he was burned at sea or laid on a mountaintop to be eaten by crows. Maybe he hung himself in the tree like Odin to gain all the knowledge of the world, and his and his little Swedish heart just couldn't take it. We kid, rest in peace to a legend. <laughs> that that would be my eulogy. <laughs> Dearly beloved, we gather here today to <laughs> now, but it was primarily Bathory's influence that could be heard on the Norwegian groups that would one day come to dominate the black metal conversation. Now, it was in the early 90s that most Norwegians were happily eating brown cheese on their waffles, getting to work in school on their roller skis, and feeding their babies milk straight from the wolf's teat. But beneath this happy veneer, there's a group of scowling, pale, gaunt young men pissed off about Norway's free healthcare and stipends for creative jobs, and they would eventually become known as... Mjæham! <laughs> They're not ghosts! This house is not haunted, it's possessed! <laughs> possessed, man! Haunted, come on! Who gives a shit? So that brings us to part three, mayhem, because this whole story, I mean, we've given you the background. This whole thing really starts with a band named Mayhem. Now, Mayhem was founded in 1984 by Oysten Ersith, um, and he was first <laughs> he was first known as Destructor, because they all have to have a different name, uh-huh. later to be known now and forever as Euronymous. Mm-hmm. Now... The other founding members were Jorn Schubert, a.k.a. Necro Butcher, uh-huh. and then Keitel Mianheim on drums. And he didn't you, stick around very long, so he didn't get an extra name. Can you imagine, like, signing your checks as Necro Butcher? <laughs> it's like, no, I'm no longer Bjorn. <laughs> I am Necro Butcher. I'm Necro Butcher, please. <laughs> Why don't you put it on my debit card? <laughs> you see, it says Necro R. Butcher. <laughs> this is mine. 
<laughs> anyway, so initially, Mayhem played Motorhead and Venom-influenced metal. They recorded a demo that was entitled Pure Fucking Armageddon uh, with a vocalist <laughs> whose name was Sven Eric Christensen, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Maniac. Mm-hmm. I now, like that these all sound like shitty characters from Frozen. <laughs> yeah. So, Euronymous, Necrobutcher, Mannheim, and Maniac. This was the lineup that Mayhem used to record their debut EP, the classic Death Crush, in 1987. Mm-hmm. Now, Euronymous, he actually released it on his own label, which was called Poser Corpse Music, <laughs> and it sold out almost immediately. Yeah. Now, Death Crush is considered a landmark of Norwegian black metal, despite the fact that it has this electronic music intro uh, composed by this electronic musician, Conrad Schnitzler. He was a German musician. So the story goes, Euronymous camped out in front of Schnitzler's house until the guy finally gave up and let him in. And Schnitzler just gave you, he didn't want, Euronymous wanted him to compose a song. And yeah. And Schnitzler was like, uh, do you have any money? And Euronymous, who was a piece of garbage who had nothing, <laughs> he just, he, he, no. So the guy just gave him this one-off track that he already had recorded, and then he just threw pickled herring at him until he left. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out go, of here. Go. You have your song. You have you your instrument. You must go. Get out. You must go. Get out. <laughs> so... Now, I've always wondered if the title of the EP, Death Crush, refers to death by crushing, or if it instead refers to the band's obsession with death, like they have a crush on death. Yeah, yeah, Like they're in love with the Grim Reaper. Yeah, yeah. In retrospect, <laughs> Death Crush sounds like a line of lip gloss that is sold exclusively at Hot Topic. Yeah, for sure. Now, even though Death Crush is considered a black metal album, technically... It still retains a lot of Mayhem's early thrash metal influence. It was like sort of the bridge between thrash and what they would eventually uh, become. Um, and, and and if I'm not mistaken, I mean, as they are still a band today, they don't really sound like that anymore. I could be wrong, though. They, they had some like album about war that was like had spoken vocals on it. I don't fucking remember. Ew. But for instance, um, when it comes to Death Crush, the title track... It, it's this mid-tempo. It starts with this like badass mid-tempo riff. It sounds like SOD, and uh, until Maniac screeching vocals just like tear your ears asunder. So then, once the song gets going, it launches into something that's so fast it doesn't even resemble blast beats. It's like all off time, just about. It's like yeah. almost off time. And at a certain point, as you're listening to it, you're actively wondering, like, am I just listening to noise? And if I'm just listening to noise, am I an idiot? Like, <laughs> Now, I did, uh, if I, my, uh, my CD copy of Death Crush is packed away, but I wanted to listen to it, so I went on YouTube and I searched it up. And what I found was that there is a treasure trove of hilarious <laughs> comments beneath the song Death Crush. Uh, here's a few. I like this romantic ballad. <laughs> this song sounds like... <laughs> <laughs> this one's so fucking good. This song sounds like someone's. <laughs> this song. <laughs> this Did song sounds like. <laughs> this song sounds like someone struggling to get out of an electric chair. <laughs> <laughs> I just love you. <laughs> 
Holy shit. so many good comments on that uh on on the video it's great uh but the one another one that i saw and this comes from the guy that we mentioned before uh-huh. varg varg vikerness who we are going to talk about very soon um he said he quoted this video has more than one million views time to boycott mayhem christ so- now, of course, when it comes to Death Crush, the EP, there's the songs. Uh, there's more songs than just the title track. It's a, a Chainsaw Guts Fuck, Necrolust, and the band even covers Witching Hour uh, by by Venom. I think I wrote Mayhem in the uh, notes, but it's by Venom. Yeah. Um, and it is a pretty kick-ass record, even if it does just kind of sound awful at times. Um, Death Crush is incredibly primitive sounding, but after it was unleashed, the path seemed to be set and the other Norwegian bands began to follow in that direction. So the early nineties in Norway gave the world, as far as metal goes, it gave the world, not only mayhem and a host of other bands that we may not have time for all of them, but it gave us also the arguably better bands like dark throne and emperor and yeah. immortal and enslaved. Um, and we'll be highlighting, ones. yeah, I mean, those are the ones that I prefer, but we'll be highlighting them a bit next week, because if you're going to jump into black metal, there's no better place to start than Emperor and Dark Throne. Like, yeah, Blaze yeah. in the Northern Sky is, that's 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 the one, but we'll talk about that later. Because so, there's still more to Mayhem, there's much more. Yeah, so my favorite thing about this, real quick, before we go forward, is the idea that Mayhem is like the Ramones of black metal. Like, when you think about it, like, and they probably would hate that we're comparing them to that, but that's really what it was. Like, when the Ramones went around, like, a bunch of punk bands just, like, fucking started up wherever they went. Like, that's, they they were, like, the blueprint for that type of thing. So, like, Mayhem was, like, the, like, they were the Ramones of black metal. We don't like the Ramones. The Ramones, they're so trendy. We don't like trendy bands. Um, That's literally how they sound, and that's literally what they say in all their interviews. So before we jump into the new members that would be added to the Mayhem lineup, to the most infamous lineup of all, we have to stop for a quick second and talk a little bit about something called Death Like Silence Productions. Yes. So Euronymous. Uh, before, what was his name? Something dumb. <laughs> uh, Destructor. Oyster. Destructor. Yeah. So Euronymous founded Death Like Silence in 1987, originally under the title Poser Corpse, the label that released Death Crush. Now, Death Like Silence was primarily focused on emerging Norwegian black metal bands, but would eventually release records by Japan's Psy and Sweden's Abruptum and Merciless. Abruptum's a good, that's a good, that's a fun name to say. It's a fun name. I don't know what it means, but it's a fun name to say. Now, Euronymous was even planning to release a record by Rod and Christ, a black metal band from Greece. That is until, well, we'll talk about that. Now, um, the catalog... Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. Now, the catalog numbers for each release read Anti Mosh 001, Anti Mosh 002, and so on, up until the ninth and final release in 1993, which would go by Anti Mosh 009. I would imagine if it's the ninth one. Now, moshing was strictly forbidden in the black metal community, as it was too mu- it was too much like fun. And if there's anything that black metalers hate, 
It's fun and physical contact. So Maniac left Mayhem sometime after Death Crush, and he would, was eventually replaced by Per Ingve Olin. Olin. Per Ingve Irvin. Per Ingve Olin, who went on went on to change his name and went by the stage name Dead. Mm-hmm. Nice and simple. Now, drummer Mannheim was replaced by <laughs> Jan Axel Blomberg. A.K.A. Hellhammer, and this is the classic lineup, the one that everyone remembers, though it did not last for very long. Dead was Siad. <laughs> he was Siad. Uh, he was not very well adjusted. He was not a very well adjusted young man, and some even speculated he suffered from Cotard syndrome, which is the condition where one believes their body is dead. That's a fun one. That's a that's a fun that's a fun syndrome to suffer from, where you yeah. think you're dead, but you're like in the waking living world. Now about dead, eventual mayhem vocalist Occultus had this to say: "Quote, <clears throat> he didn't see himself as human. He saw himself as a creature from another world. He said he had many visions that his blood has frozen in his veins. That he was dead. That that is the reason he took the name. He knew he would die." End quote. Mm. So a little bit of spoiler alert. It's pretty heavy. Yeah. Now. Dead was the guy who sort of launched black metal as a lifestyle. Like, so basically, if it wasn't for him, like, this guy lived it. Like, he was, like, forever in character. Like, yeah, it, imagine, truly. like, imagine, like, going to, like, Megacon and meeting somebody who's dressed like Bowser. But, like, <laughs> lives as Bowser outside, like, goes to work as Bowser at his Chick-fil-A job. Like... Plays video games as Bowser online. Like, that's what this guy did, except he did it with black metal. Now, of course, he wore... The, he wore the trade park, the trademark corpse paint, the white and the black and all that, um, which is just essentially just white paint covers your whole face. That's all it is. It's highlighted mm-hmm. by black paint, like around your eyes, you know, it, it, maybe a little bit like kind of like the worst kind of juggalo. <laughs> not not great. Not great. Um Dead would also go to great lengths to achieve the atmosphere that he felt suited black metal. He would bury his clothes before a show to achieve a grave like smell. He would, it's so ridiculous. He would cut himself on stage with knives and glass, and he would even keep a dead crow in a bag that he would huff so he could perform with the, quote, stench of death in his nostrils. He was like an emaciated method actor that no one would ever hire. Like the worst kind of Daniel Day-Lewis. Because <laughs> he smelled too bad. Yeah, what a, what a shithead. Now, Mayhem was also famous for putting pigs and sheep's heads on stakes at their shows. Something I want, that I should say Mikey saw. At a young and in the way, uh, they saw them try to do, but the pig head got chucked into the audience, hit a girl in the face, blinded her in one eye, um, and Dead would probably have loved that. But, you know, it's a whole thing. Dude, that was crazy. We showed up to the show. So I guess I misspoke. I didn't actually see it happen. I saw the aftermath. Yeah. Because, like, Watain, like, throws blood all over the place when they play. And, like, Young and in the Way was, like, this kind of blackened hardcore band. So they totally, you know, they were trying to cultivate that mayhem image. And they had this, like, rotted pig's head. And it got thrown into the crowd and hit this girl in the eye. And we showed up to play. And we were playing with Weight of the World. And I remember everybody got mad because Dylan, when he, he, he was, like, about to start singing, the singer of Weight of the World. Uh-huh. And right before the band starts, he like looked around and he's like, that fucking shit was stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone like, got mad. I was like, it was kind of stupid. You like basically blinded this girl in one eye with your mayhem impression. Yeah, it's so awful. Like it's such, it's so it is uh, like punk and hardcore can be so dumb sometimes. Now, 
Mayhem didn't play shows very often, in keeping with the misanthropic and pissy image that they had cultivated. Uh, and in fact, in early days, most black metal bands refused to appear live, or very rarely. And Bathory did the same thing. They didn't play very, they didn't play live very often at all. Well, it's because it, it, it kind of ended up with just being Quorthon. So he'd just record everything on his own and never play live because he couldn't and he didn't want to deal with a band. And a lot of black metal bands do that. They're just one guy. There's, yeah. Um, uh, see Panopticon. Yeah. There's this um, documentary, this documentary series on Noisy on YouTube. And it's called One Man, uh, like One Man Metal, and it's all about one man black metal bands, like these dudes who just like lock themselves in their houses and they create these like horrific albums and they never play live. Yeah, it's great. I love it. So by '91, Dead Euronymous and Hellhammer uh, were living in a house in the woods near Krokstad, which is located in Ski in Viken, Norway. Um, Mayhem would practice in this house as well. And I've seen a picture of this house. It is huge. It's like yeah. a chateau. It's it's amazing. And now, according to Euronymous, before the band rented this house, they were practicing at campsites and in the forest, <laughs> which they probably <laughs> loved. Yeah. Um, now, the band was so poor, according to him, that they subsisted on bread and shoplifting to survive. And, you know, from what I understand, Norway has a really huge social safety net but it just wasn't very black metal to eat three meals a day and be at all comfortable. So. No, 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 no. Yeah, you have to suffer for your art. Yeah, it's they're, they're like the ultimate hipsters, uh, ironically. Now, Mayhem had been working on their follow-up to Death Crush, the record that would become De Mysteries Dom Satanis, and that's the band's first proper LP. Now, I know we said we we're going to talk about murder, suicide, and church burning, but, you know... Well, there's some suicide coming up. Unfortunately, on April 8th, 1991, dead, uh, he got really homesick for Transylvania. And he, (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to lighten the mood here. He committed suicide by slitting both his wrists and his throat and then shooting himself in the forehead with a shotgun. Because we're guessing he really wanted to live up to his name. That is a lot. It's a lot. Now, he left a note which read, Excuse the blood, but I have slit my wrists and neck. It was the intention that I would die in the woods so that it would take a few days before I was possibly found. I belong in the woods and have always done so. No one will understand the reason for this anyway. To give some semblance of an explanation, I'm not a human, this is just a dream. And soon I will wake. Hmm. It was too cold and the blood kept clotting. Plus my new knife is too dull. If I don't succeed dying to the knife, I will blow all the shit out of my skull. (laughs) Wow. Yet I I do not know. I left all my lyrics by let the good times roll. plus Plus the rest of the money. Whoever finds it gets the fucking thing. As a last salutation, may I present Life Eternal. This is a new song he wrote. Do whatever you want with the fucking thing. Pele. P.S. I didn't come up with this now, but 17 years ago. So, pretty intense. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, it's weird that he went from being kind of, like, polite and poetic to being like, yeah, fuck this, in the middle of that note. Yeah, he just... He was, I mean, he definitely had mental issues. He was clinically depressed and, you know, he was around a bunch of fucking losers who were not going to help him. So, 
Unfortunately, dead, he was the first casualty of the Norwegian black metal scene, but not the last. Hmm. Now, Euronymous was the first to come home that day, and in true scumbag fashion, he had to climb in an open window because no one who lived at the house had keys. <laughs> and right. Dead had apparently locked all the doors. If you've ever lived in a punk house or even hung out in a punk house, you know the yep. struggle. Yeah, maybe. Yep. Now, as Varg describes it um, in the in the Light Takes Us documentary, when they get to the part about Dead, um, Varg says Euronymous was the one who found Dead dead in the bed. <laughs> and <laughs> of then course, like, sounds like that. He has a little giggle about it because Varg is an asshole. Yep. Now, upon discovery of the body, Euronymous jumped back out the open window, went to a shop in town, purchased a disposable camera, returned, and photographs Dead's body before he called 911. Now, Hellhammer was the one who actually eventually developed the picture. Now, that photograph was eventually used for the cover of a live mayhem bootleg called Dawn of the Blackhearts, which comes from a Christ. lyric... That Fenris from Dark Throne, whom we'll talk about next episode, he wrote for Mayhem. Right. That record was released by Warmaster Records in 95, so a bit after everything that happened. <clears throat> and it's a pretty upsetting picture. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Um, it's dead. He's dead. And his actual brain is completely out of his skull and on the bed. Yeah. Um, we don't recommend that you Google it. Or maybe you we do you do because we don't know what you're what you freaks are into. So maybe you want to look at it. Yeah, maybe know. don't. It's not it's not great. It's not a great photo. It's, it's something that sticks with you forever. Yeah, it's it's pretty fucked up. Now, of course, rumors began to fly that Euronymous had made a stew from Dead's brain and necklaces from bits of his skull. Now it turned out that the former was not true, but the latter actually was true. Euronymous yeah. made necklaces out of out of dead skull fragments. And he gave them to those that he deemed worthy. Now, as re as recently as 2018, a fragment of dead skull went on sale on, I don't know if it was eBay, but some online auction site for $3,500. And it came with <clears throat> a letter that Euronymous had written back in the 90s. So pretty, pretty wild. Wild. Now, <clears throat> when asked about Dead's death in a 1992 interview, Euronymous had this to say. And now we're going to get to know Euronymous a little bit from these two quotes. Yeah. When it comes to Dead, he was a very evil man. He hated all that lived. The only thing which kept him from shooting himself earlier was the black metal way of lifestyle, with evil bands that worshipped death and wore black clothes, leather, bullet belts, and everything else which had to do with the real lifestyles. Ugh. <laughs> insufferable when this is the guy that screams about oat milk like yeah. he is like all about oat milk well i like i like oat milk but i am not living the oat milk lifestyle yeah now when asked about taking the infamous picture euronymous replied we are for fuck's sake not a humanitarian joke band when we say that we are into death metal then it means we worship the dead there is nothing that is too raw disgusting or sick people who don't understand this can go to hell Fuck you, dead. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so uh, that's what he had to say about his friend and bandmate's death and his callous uh, uh, exploitation of it. The worst thing that anybody's ever said to me in a band was, I can replace all of you and said it as a joke. <laughs> like, that's the, that's the worst. Like, uh, nobody's ever said, like, we worship the dead and you can all go to hell and then gave parts of my skull to my friends. <laughs> it's very upsetting. 
It's very upsetting. Now, Dead Suicide and Euronymous' reaction did two things. One, it pissed off bassist Necrobutcher so much that he quit the band, which, let's be honest, his name Necrobutcher. So, yeah, whatever. Now, uh, how are skull fragment necklaces not something he's into? It doesn't make any sense. No, he should be not, into this. He should be he's so not into up to his name. No. Still, if Necrobutcher is to be believed, Euronymous called him that day and said, Dead has done something really cool. He killed himself. End quote, which is just awful. Jesus Christ. Now, the other thing Dead Suicide accomplished is that it made black metal seem incredibly dangerous. Now, if you couldn't already tell by him doing arts and crafts with his friend's brains, Euronymous was obsessed with making black metal the most dangerous genre of music. Now, he was very opposed to most of the black metal that existed at the time. He had this to say in an interview with Fanzine Slayer, quote, Creativity disappeared in the middle of the 80s. I think 95% of the bands today are worthless shit. (laughs) (laughs) There are just a few who managed to capture the brutality and evil which which the ancient bands like Sodom, Destruction, Bathory, Possessed, Venom, Hellhammer, Celtic Frost, or Celtic Frost, whatever. And so on had. It's very important that the music is filled with dark moods and that it smells of destruction, but no bands manage to do that. Listen to Sodom or Sepultura now. Their music stinks. Stinks! (laughs) (laughs) The sound is weak and polished. I think it sounds like shit. End quote. This guy's a fucking baby. They're, They're all so annoying. I have all these scans of these black metal zines. And all the interviews, all they talk about is how everyone else is fake and they're the truest. You like it's it's so ridiculous that they actually made good music. I can't believe it. It's not it's not okay. It's not okay. Now, Euronymous wanted black metal to be dangerous, even to his own band's detriment. He had this to say about Mayhem's upcoming D Mysterious Dom Sathanas in another zine from nineteen ninety two. Quote Normal idiots would stay the fuck away from this record. Don't buy it. It's not for you, but for the evil. End quote. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, fuck this guy. You now, just want to beat dead, the shit out of all yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, fuck this, fuck this wafy waif boy. Now, uh, Dead's suicide was what really put black metal scene on the map to becoming something infamous and eventually deadly. Now... It couldn't have gotten there without the help of one really, really very white guy, Varg Vikernes. Oh, Agent Starling, you think you can dissect me with this blunt little tool? No. I, I, I thought that your knowledge... You're so ambitious, aren't you? Do you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rogue. That brings us to part four. Varg just makes you want to arg. <laughs> so we've mentioned him several times up until now as this sort of like character that's a big part of the story. And man, is he a big part of the story, especially uh-huh. when we get into episode two. But we're introducing Varg here because it makes sense in the timeline. Now, Varg Vikernis, as he would come to call himself among many other names, uh, was born Louis Cachet 
<laughs> on February 11th, 1973, in Bergen-Hordeland, Norway. <laughs> now, by his own account, Varg's childhood was idyllic. In Until the Light Takes Us, he talks about growing up in a homogeneous society. That's how he pronounces it. Uh-huh. Um, which is free of Western influence and without crime. And what he really means is white. Uh-huh. So he cites the arrival of McDonald's in Norway in 1991 as a defining moment of his youth. He and his friends uh, got a rifle and they started shooting at the windows of the McDonald's. McDonald's, as he calls it. As if a few bullets could ever bring down the golden arches. I mean, those things are built on blood and Ray Ray Kroc's balls. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not going anywhere. Now, in the documentary Until the Light Takes Us, which I guess I haven't recommended it as of yet, but it's a fantastic look at this stuff. And it was one of the first things I watched when I wanted to know about black metal back when Pat was trying to get me into it. I watched it at his house for the first time. I, I was just blown away by it. Um, now, in that documentary, Varg talks about how he and the rest of the black metal scene began to stockpile weapons, hence the uh, McDonald's rifle incident, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the early 90s, because they not only believed there would be a third world war, they actively wanted one to happen. And I'm thinking what caused them to, to go down this path in their minds is more Western influence popping up in Norway, maybe... Uh, everyone around him wasn't of lily white skin because people were maybe immigrating to Norway and, you know, uh, being a real society. Yeah. Now, we'll see more of this fatalistic, apocalyptic attitude from Varg in his later years. Um, Wait till we get to his YouTube channel. Jesus Christ. Um, But first, we need to take a look at this dickhead's childhood. (laughs) Now, (laughs) Varg's home life was most definitely steeped in bigotry. Every little source that I've read, including Wikipedia, including um, Until the Light Takes Us, including anything I've ever read about him, said that he came from basically a racist family, and they have not changed their beliefs. His father was openly racist, keeping a swastika flag in the home. Um, His mother was also constantly worried, constantly concerned, that Varg would bring a black girl home. In Norway... Yeah, she needn't have yeah. worried. <clears throat> also, real quick, isn't it very funny that he like gravitated to black metal? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> also, <laughs> I would say that a, a a beautiful independent black woman would never, ever have given Varg Vikernis a second look. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fucking asshole. Yeah, anybody with melanin would just not give this guy the time of day. They wouldn't be able to see him. He's like basically translucent. So. Even though Varg and his family are about as xenophobic as you can get, there were no protests, uh, reportedly, when at the age of six, Varg and the Vikernesses, which sounds like a horrible <laughs> fucking sitcom. It's, it's a Hives ripoff. <laughs> Varg and the Vikernesses moved to Baghdad. Varg's well, father was an electronics engineer, and he was developing a computer program for none other than Saddam Hussein. <laughs> which... Seems like a strange pairing. These milky white shaved dog people and the Iraqi butcher of Baghdad. Yeah. Saddam was most decidedly not white, but he did hate the West. He hated the U.S., referred to us as the great Satan. And Mm. in that way, Saddam and Varg's family were pretty much simpatico. 
<laughs> now, Varg said that he got into heavy metal when he was around 12. He's a teenager. He's almost a teenager. He listened to most of the bands back in the day. He really liked Iron Maiden, uh, Judas Priest, Megadeth, Slayer. But also, he got into some of the more niche groups like Bathory, Sodom, Creator, Celtic Frost, all that. Varg picked up a guitar when he was about 14. And by 88, he had joined this band called Kalishnikov. Hmm. Uh, soon after, the band changed their name to Uruk Hai, which brings us to Varg's true obsession, J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, this let's fucking let's, dork. What a fucking dork. I mean, I've read I've read the Lord of the Rings books. Yes. Like from from a literature standpoint, like J.R.R. Tolkien was a fucking dork. Like he <laughs> made he made languages because he could. Like. This guy had so many 20-side dice. You know he did. <laughs> now, uh, and, and also, I have to be clear. Like, I don't care that people like the things they like. Like, I, I realize I'm coming at this from, like, a very, like, jock standpoint. Like, I sound like I played football. I'm like, fucking nerds, and I'm like, giving these guys wedgies. Like, I love this shit. Like, I'm all about, like, like, like powerful knights and wizards fighting dragons and shit. My favorite book in the Bible is Revelations. So like <laughs> I didn't know you, you know, had like, a favorite book in the Bible. <laughs> I don't. I just it's just the it's the most metal. It's the one with wizards. So like <clears throat> but I I love that shit. Like so it's just the, the the fact is that I never take that stuff seriously. Like that stuff is awesome. That stuff is yeah. not serious. And, and when they people take it took serious this shit seriously. Yeah. So Urukai means orc in the black speech, one of the languages that Tolkien came up with for his stories. And of course, the only only a giant rings nerd like Varg would know this. Now, in 1990, Varg joined the Norwegian death metal band Old Funeral, appearing on their EP Devoured Carcass. So, <laughs> some themes here. Themes here, right? Now, one of the members of Old Funeral would go on to form the black metal band Immortal who are pretty badass, but for whatever reason are not held in the same esteem as bands like Mayhem and Dark Throne. So, you know, everybody's got their thing, I guess. Now, Varg soon tired of playing guitar in Old Funeral, and he decided to go his own way, complaining that the members of the band were obsessed with hamburgers and were not impressed by his stockpile of weapons. It looks like McDonald's had the last laugh anyway, you prick. I love so much that he's mad. They're like, oh, they love hamburgers and they don't like my guns. Yeah, he said basically like they would they would like always go out like they always wanted to go out to eat and he wanted to like stockpile for the revolution. <laughs> yeah. What uh, again, a different type of dork, but still a dork nonetheless. Now, uh so Varg started a solo project which he named Burzum. Now, Burzum means darkness in Tolkien's black speech and the word appears on the titular ring of Tolkien's trilogy in the inscription on the inside of the band quote as or did I nail that was that okay yeah you got it okay good uh or it stands for the one ring to rule them all one ring to find them one ring to bring them all and in the darkness or Burzum bind them so it's actually a pretty rad quote. I'm just imagining Stephen Colbert being like being the douchebag that he is, and also the fact that he's obsessed with Lord of the Rings, just killing you with his bare hands because you fucked up the black speech. <laughs> yeah, he would be so mad at me, and and, and, I, and I and the last thing I want to do is upset Stephen Colbert. I don't care. I don't care about how upset Varg is, but like, I don't want to upset. I don't want to upset Stephen Colbert now. 
After Varg recorded two demo tapes, Euronymous liked what he heard and signed Burzum to Death Like Silence Productions. Once the deal was inked, probably in Hobbit blood or some shit, now Varg commenced to re- the recording of his debut LP entitled simply Burzum under the pseudonym Count Grisnach. Yet another Tolkien reference. Now, through Venom, or I'm sorry, though Venom had pioneered the low fidelity metal recording style and Mayhem had utilized it on Death Crush, Varg was the one that was the first to be just a real dickhead about it. Like when when recording Burzum, Varg had this to say, quote, <clears throat> I told the producer, give me the worst mic you have. In 10 minutes, we had everything set up, and he asked if I wanted to, to, quote, do anything, end quote, to check the sound. I said, quote, no! Because it was rebellion against this good production, we called it Necrosound, Corpse Sound, because it was supposed to sound as bad as possible, end quote. And Varg wasn't kidding. The nope. Burzum LP, it does sound truly awful. I'm... I'm not a fan, really. I, I just can't get that into Burzum. Philosophum is like one of the later records is okay, I guess. But like the first thing, I don't I It's so hard to get into for me. Yeah. He ended up recording his vocals with a headset microphone. Christ. Screeching into a tiny headset microphone. And the guitar tracks, he did them through a tiny portable Marshall amp. It's like a <laughs> practice amp. What a dickhead. Oh, God. Like, there's, I'm just going to give everybody a heads up. Nothing in this story as we go forward will endear you to Varg. Like, he does not turn around. Like, <laughs> no. things do not get better. They just get worse. Varg does not have a redemption arc. No. So, <clears throat> Burzum's debut, despite all the negativity surrounding Varg, and he hadn't even done the worst shit that he would eventually do yet, it is considered a classic of the black metal genre. Now, it was groundbreaking, but in the hi- with the hindsight of today, it's a hard fucking listen, like I was saying. I mean, most modern black metal bands uh, don't do that necro sound shit anymore. In fact, I think Varg is the only one to ever use that term. Um, you can actually hear what most modern bands are playing. I mean, even back in the 90s, some of the contemporaries, yeah. Dark Throne, Emperor, they didn't go, it didn't seem like they went out of their way to make their records sound like shit. They made them low fidelity. I mean, maybe not Emperor, but it was it was rough sounding, but not unbearable. Right. But that's Varg for you. He's just a real piece of work. So why not take this quote from a 1992 interview right after the Burzum LP was released? Do you wear black clothes and spikes? I wear black clothes, yes. I wear spikes only in war with medieval maniacs in Bergen. What do you think of Entombed being on Swedish television and MTV? I've always hated Entombed. False people shouldn't be anywhere. By the way, it's not MTV. It's NTV. Yeah, folks, <laughs> you heard him. You know what he's trying to say. You're not mistaken. He's yep. a real piece of shit. Yep, 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 yep. yep. He made that very clear. Okay, <clears throat> I'm the interviewer again. Is Bosom a one-man band? First of all, I am not a man. But yes, I am the only horny being in Bosom. Now, he doesn't mean like he's Randy when he says horny. Yeah, yeah, He's not trying to fuck. He means horny like he's the devil. He calls himself a horny being. Yeah. Ugh. So, your one big takeaway from this episode should probably be Varg is a dick. Now, despite this or because of it, in 1992, Varg Vikernis, still doing Burzum, also joined Mayhem, 
replacing Necro Butcher on base, who, if you'll remember, he quit because he didn't like how Euronymous handled dead suicide. Yeah. And Varg's arrival into Mayhem would spell the beginning of the end for a certain member of the band, as well as a lot of historic <laughs> churches and a few other deaths. Um, but we'll have to wait until next week until we get into all that. Yeah, it's going to get real wild. A lot of fire. Oh, a lot of fire and a lot of uh, blood and death. Yeah. Well, blood, fire, fire, yeah. blood, fire, death. Yep. It's, it's, it's a real literal Bathory record. Yeah, they took Bathory quite literally. Oh, man. Well, you know, it's funny is uh, as I was going into this episode, um, I was thinking about like, you know, the my what my 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 right profile was going to be and all that. And I, I've been listening to so much black metal. I had to cleanse my palate. So I've been listening to this band called Couplet, which is like today's postal service um, <laughs> just to kind of like clear to clear it because I can't I can't. There's just so much that goes into this. It's like it's just the like you, you it's so draining being in this in this uh genre i mean the genre the genre can definitely be draining um but sometimes it's weird it can be very hypnotic too yeah i mean i i love it i am like all in for it like uh give me satiricon fuel for hatred so <laughs> yes satiricon's pretty great all right so then that means that's it for that's a that's it for our first dive into black metal we're gonna spend some more time on it next week but for now we're gonna shout out our patrons yeah all right mike osborne laura crosby kate neal amelia andrews matthew fisher jessica crane mario cipriano christian Purley, nancy crozier emily lawson jessica demarco casey crawfjord which i put on (laughs) his uh on his uh uh, mail and uh and brian stewart yeah thank you guys here stoked y'all are here so, all y'all be all over in here, all y'all, they all, all, okay. all y'all be all y'all, y'all be all. Let them be, Jessup. Let them be. Uh, all y'all be all. Well, so, thank you guys. We appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so we don't have any announcements. Um, I have, for those of you who are watching the Patreon video, um, I have a stack of mugs behind me. So we do have coffee mugs that are coming. We have our uh, Jerry Lonely pin that's coming out. Uh, and we do have some stickers, and we'll have that up on the Big Cartel as soon as the, the mugs, the new mugs and the stickers in the in the pins come in. So we'll share those with everybody. Um. Yeah, there's no other announcements. I'm tired. I don't feel very good. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, uh, if you want to find us on on Instagram, you can find us on I don't want to hear a pod. Um, you can find us on Twitter IDWHI podcast. You can find us on Facebook and I don't want to hear a podcast. Um, you can find us on our publishing company at WNDPress.com. Um, you can email us at info at WNDPress.com or email us at the podcast at IDWHI podcast at gmail.com. Um, and, and go ahead and just send us a comment. Tell, send us messages. Tell us you love us. We would really appreciate that. We like, we like, we like validation sometimes. Yeah. We need praise or we fall to pieces. Yeah. 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 I will. Um, <clears throat> so, um, also you can go to, I don't want to hear podcast.com. Click the link came from the beach. Listen to all our old bands and check the episode description for links to the stuff we're talking about. We'll probably make some black metal playlists maybe like some old school ones and new school ones um and also go over to uh 
to Instagram and follow me at Wasteland Pod. And Wasteland is my other show. It's a true crime show, and it's also available on Spotify. And I have recently begun toiling away at taking the show a bit more seriously and providing new content which will not be available for months but i will keep you updated that's why you should go to instagram that's going to do it for us this week and we will be back next week with more blood and fire and death so until then annihilate this week and good night dead (laughs) wherever you are one of my favorite stories about all this too is that like they had a record store, they were running a record store for a little bit and they wouldn't like they wouldn't like turn the lights on. It was all like you had to search by, through records like by candlelight. Well, they wanted to search by torchlight, but then they realized that wasn't going to work. But uh we're going to talk about Helvet not next week, definitely. Okay, good. Good, good. good. I'm so glad. record store. <laughs> yeah, fuck that place. Fuck that place. Fuck that place. Fuck these magic card wielders. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye.